Welcome to the Trauma Tapes. I'm Dr. MC McDonald, a PhD trauma researcher, author, and life coach. I'm here with my sister, Elizabeth Meadows. On this podcast, we read your letters, give you advice, and help you heal without shame. Welcome back to the Trauma Tapes. Hi, Lisa. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We made it through Christmas. And I was just going to say, it's almost 2023. I know. Not quite New Year's, but who cares about New Year's? It's like tomorrow, right? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yes, it is. Exciting. It's like unseasonably warm here, which is like so exciting. It's 52 degrees. Oh my God. I keep forgetting that the whole country, because I didn't travel, the whole country is like in shambles right now because of the snow, airplanes being everywhere and all that stuff. So I know. If you're listening to this in the airport and you're stuck, remember that credit cards, the whole purpose of a credit card is so you can get a nice hotel when you're in a situation like that. Right. (laughs) Southwest Airlines is like going to shut down. Right. I just saw like a meme and I'm not going to be able to find it again. Oh, give me 30 milligrams of Adderall and I will take over Southwest Airlines. Give me four hours. I'll fix it. <laughs> like psychedelic, psychedelic, Abrian on uh, Twitter. Anyway, we have a letter today. We do. Do we have any, any pre letter rants to go on? I kind of don't. My, my one little stupid rant is magnifying mirrors. Like, why do we have to use magnifying mirrors? I know it. Right? Yeah. Why? No one sees your face times 10. So why do you need to see your face times 10? (laughs) This is one of the the few situations where I'm, I've been wearing glasses, glasses since first grade. I'm like nearly legally blind. Um, And this is one of the, the the rare spaces where I'm glad about that. Cause I think I, like, I can't even see what I could be able to see. You know what I mean? Like even with a magnifying (laughs) mirror. I'm like, still like, Oh, I'm just gonna take my glasses off and pretend like that's not a thing. <laughs> that's healthy though. Like, and mm-hmm. I, we went, we took a little trip and I like brought the mirror that I have in my travel kit. And it's like a 10 time magnifying mirror with a horrible light. And you know, it was like, are you kidding me? I wanted to like jump out the hotel window after I saw it, you know, like, why do we do this? I know. Why is that necessary? Why is that a thing? I also like, I, I wish we had more, more models for aging, like aging is actually kind of amazing and beautiful. Yeah. And when you age gracefully, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, but I know there are people in like Hollywood who have just sort of like bucked that whole trend and aged gracefully. And it's, it's kind of an amazing thing. It is an amazing thing. You know, who's but done it is, um, is it Paulina Poroskova? She was married to Rico Kasich. She has, she's a great like Instagram account actually. Oh, cool. Um, and you know, she was a supermodel and she's gorgeous, but mm-hmm. she has kind of embraced that aging gracefully thing. And it's, yeah. um, you know, she's not judgmental at all. She's just like, this is what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. you know, she's, she's beautiful. And it's, yeah. it's super interesting that whole, yeah. like we could do like a whole show about that. I, I was in a class yesterday and there were these two women um, in the class. And at the end they said they were, they complimented me on my hair that it's gray, you know, that, that I stopped coloring it and they were being super nice and, you know, it was great to hear and everything, but they both immediately went to like, but I can't do that because blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it was like, I, you know, I, 
I'm not asking you to join a political party. Like you started this conversation. I didn't start it. Like <laughs> you, you, you don't have to do anything. Like it's okay. Like I, right. you know, but they, but it was just like, I walked away from it thinking like, wow, like, and I, you know, I said to, and I say this to anyone who brings it up, you, you know, you have to wait till you're ready and, it, you know, right. and, and if you're never ready, that's okay. That's, that's fine too. But right. it's just that whole, you brought up the aging thing, how quickly it's yeah. like, yeah, but I, but I'm not going to do it. I can't do it because X, right. Y, and Z, you know, right. right. it's the whole culture, but. And there's a, there's a male equivalent because we were talking, I was at lunch with a couple of of people this week and we were talking about um, hair loss yeah, and men and hair loss. And like the, when they were talking about like, okay, when is the moment where you embrace it and you just go bald? Yeah. And I kept, I was the only, happened to be the only female at the table. And I kept being like, I think that's actually a really cool look. It is a cool look. Like, I don't like y- you guys are all assuming that all of us will think that that's the worst thing in the world, but actually I think it's, it's actually super cool. And, you know, maybe, I don't know if I'm an outlier. I don't think so. No. Cause there's like a confidence in it. There's like, totally. a, you know, like, Hey, this is, I'm embracing right. this. And that's, right. that's exudes confidence, which is yeah. attractive. There's like a swagger. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, but someone, one of them pointed out that like, this is, um, I don't want to like out anybody by name <laughs> if they'd have these conversations like in public, but one of them pointed out that like, yeah, that's good to say, but like his hair has been kind of like his thing. And, and I get that when like, we've, we've tied this stuff up and we don't do this on pur- purpose. It's like these things, these qualities get associated with our identity. Yeah. And so to lose them is to lose like an essential part of ourselves, which is tricky. Tricky, but it can be like this amazing thing because liberating. Yeah. Yeah. I used to think like my red hair was like mm-hmm. my thing and yeah. guess what? Now my gray hair is my thing. Right. You right. Know? And it's <laughs> like, it, it kind of just, if you embrace it and it's not for everyone and you know, do whatever you're comfortable with, obviously, but um, I've gotten a lot out of it, you know, mm-hmm. of, thinking one thing was my thing and then realizing, Hey, I have a new thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. <laughs> you I know? Yeah. Right. The thing with this shame stuff, I think it makes your life really small and it, and it, and it like eradicates it, gets rid of any opportunity to grow or expand. And so when you let it go, it's like, okay, well now what, what's next? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it can allow you to like, let go of other things too. Oh, totally. Totally. It becomes like a domino effect in a way. Like, Oh Yeah. Yeah, you don't hold on to like the your identity that closely anymore. So it's you're totally. open to other things. Yeah, totally. Anywho, magnifying Anywho. mirrors they stink, and maybe let your <laughs> grow gray or fall out or whatever it's doing. <laughs> Throw your mirrors away. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we have a letter. Okay, ready? Yep. <laughs> Dear trauma tapes, <laughs> my past is ruining my present. I'm in a relationship that has been really great for about six months. In the beginning of the relationship, my boyfriend and I had the conversation about how many past partners we had each had. Compared to him, I have had a lot of partners, which is not something I've really felt shame about before. And my boyfriend was okay with it too, in the beginning. Now that we are six months in, he has become extremely bothered by the fact that I've had this kind of past. He says he can't get it out of his head. He has trouble having sex with me because he can't stop picturing me with other people. When he drinks too much, he says awful things and has called me a slut. I think it might be the end of our relationship. And now I'm worried that he's right, that I am a slut and that everyone else will have a problem with this too. 
Is there anything I can do to get rid of this shame? Oh boy. Yep. Yep. I think the relationship is over and I think it should be. Yeah. Get rid of it. Get rid of him. Forget the shame. Like he is the shame. He is the shame. Yep. 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 The end. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are done. Toast. We've decided. (laughs) No, I don't mean to make light of this. I've been in this situation. I don't know if you've been in this situation. It is awful. Yeah. I don't share those things anymore. You know? No, it's not. Nobody's business. Nobody's business. It's nobody's business. Numbers should not matter. They, I think it only does harm. I, I, well, okay. So what's your, what's your initial take? I think there's a lot here. That I, I remember a time in my life, you know, being very concerned about numbers and mm-hmm. um, my numbers, other people's numbers, you know, so I, I get that. I, mm-hmm. I understand how that feels and how punishing. What was, the, what was the, when it was your concern, where, what was that coming from? That's a good question. I don't think it was, I think it was coming from me. I think it was coming from, you know, society and what was out there and, you know, the sex in the city era and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the whole idea that your value was, um, attached yeah. to your scorecard in a way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. But I never had anyone use that against me, but I also probably didn't let it get that far, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Meaning that a relationship didn't get to that point, you know? Yeah. Oh, Not meaning, you, yeah, yeah. If someone was going to care about it, you didn't. Right. Yeah. Right. What about you? Um, no, I was just curious because I think, like, I, I don't think it came from you. I think it came from society. I don't think we inherently care about this stuff. Like, I think it's that society tells us via movies, TV shows, and just whatever is in the social narrative that that these things matter. That having a set number of that there's like a sweet spot of number of people that you have slept with that is okay. Right. And makes you legitimate. I think that we in general diminish or we don't pay attention enough to the fact that like sex and sexuality is a critical part of who we are as human beings. And so we try to put these parameters on them to judge each other. And it's, I think it's really sick It is um, sick because it's a double bind. You can't win. Right. If you, and I've, I've had it used against me a lot and I have absolutely would never have that conversation again with a human because people think they want to know and they don't want to know. People think they're okay with it and then they're not okay with it. And I think like, it's not, this is tricky because I, I want to like, just hate this person's boyfriend, mm-hmm. but it's the system that is embedding these ideas in both of them. And making him feel insecure because the narrative says if she's slept, if she's had more experience than him, then she will leave. And so he's put in this position of insecurity by the societal narrative and the system. And that I think that's a really tricky thing. I don't want to like, like let him off the hook because you can also make choices against the system. And he sounds like he's being awful um, and calling her a slut. And I, I, I don't know. It's tricky. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. Yeah. And that's his own insecurity. You know, that when he drinks, he he calls her names probably because on some level he feels like he's not up to. He's not measuring up. Yeah. 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 And that he hasn't, you know, and you know, it, it, God, you know, when you look back, it all means nothing, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the individual, it's who you're with, it's how they treat you. It's, um, mm-hmm. 
It's not how many people mm-hmm. they've been with or haven't been with, you know? Right, right, right. And I've seen it both ways. I've seen people shamed for not having enough partners. Right. So it's, that's why it's a double bind. You can't like, you, it, you could maybe accidentally hit the sweet spot and be like, quote unquote, acceptable, but no one tells you what that is because the, the target is constantly moving. Right. And there's someone, someone's sweet, what they think is a sweet spot can change, you know, totally. obviously it did for him. You know, he thought he said it was okay. And then I think it's important to, I've seen this with clients too. And it's, it's, I don't know. I'm so torn because on the one hand, I just want to rail against this and be like, this guy is awful. Go watch Chasing Amy. Tell him to watch Chasing Amy. Do you want to be Ben Affleck for the rest of your life? And in the movie, not Ben Affleck. Oh my God. I love that reference. Isn't that, it's it's such a good movie. I think like it's underrated. Have you watched it recently? No, but I used to make my students watch it when I would teach um, gender and sexuality because they have, yeah, because it's a great, so in the, just to give you, I won't give you any spoilers, but in, in the movie, Ben Affleck is dating Jennifer. I can't remember her last name. Um, annoying voice. Yeah. <laughs> she um, has, she's bisexual and she has had a lot of partners in her past. She has a, a high number of people she's been with men and women and Ben Affleck really likes her. Their relationship is going really well and he cannot get past her past. And so the movie is about that strife and it's a really good movie from the nineties, I think, but it's, it's Joey yeah. Lauren. Adams. Joey Lauren Adams. Oh, I thought her name was Jennifer. Okay. And I think he, the reason the movie is good because is because you kind of can't hate Ben Affleck because you see how tortured he is. Right. Like on one hand, the societal narrative says it's cool to have a really experienced girlfriend who's bisexual. Like that's hot. Right. And on the other hand, he feels really, uh, what's the word? Like under prepared, under qualified, insignificant in comparison to her past. And so he can't, feel comfortable, get to a comfortable place in the relationship. And he acts like a complete idiot, mm-hmm. but you can see that it's not just cause he's a complete idiot. Right. <laughs> he's it, sort of being like pressed upon by this societal belief. It is a good movie. I'd have to watch that again. It is. And I, so I think like, I wanted, I want to say this guy's an idiot and that, but that I also want to say that he's probably tor- like, he sounds tortured. Yeah. But, um, and I've seen that I've seen clients in that situation. Like I've seen couples come in and like, one of them, they, they, they share all this data and information in the beginning of the relationship. And it's like actually exciting. And then once you get to a place in the relationship where you're more ready to commit and and stabilize the, that changes and it becomes threatening. But, but what changes, like, what is it, Mm -hmm. you know, the data hasn't changed. So what changes in the person who all of a sudden isn't okay with it anymore? I think two things. This is just totally off the top of my head. One, I think it's it's you become more insecure the more vulnerable you are. Okay. So in the beginning of a relationship, you're not that vulnerable because whatever, you can leave at any point. But once you start to get attached, there's more vulnerability. And the second thing is that you what was exciting in the beginning is that your partner is has a lot of like street value is a terrible word, but like clearly has appeal. Yeah. So you've kind of like scored someone who has appeal, they have experience, that's exciting. But then when you are in a vulnerability place and you want to commit to the relationship in a sustained way, that then feels threatening because your partner has value in the field and could leave you at any time, which is true anyway, of course, but now you have like a data point. But that's, that? all, that's all about the insecurity of 
the one person. Right. Right. Completely. And this is the thing, like you can't, so she asks at the end, like, is there anything to do about this shame? You can't do anything about his shame. He has to do something about his shame. Right. And so he, if you, if there's enough potential in this relationship and we don't know, then he needs to go to therapy. He needs to figure this out. He needs to probably stop drinking for a little while. If he can't like close his fucking mouth. Right. That does irreparable damage to a relationship. Not okay to call you a slut in any circumstance. Right. Um, and get his shit together. The only thing she could do is not allow herself to be judged. Right. Yeah. Don't internalize that shame. Don't swallow it. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing you do with your body changes who you are. Right. Even if you decide later, it's a mistake. Like you cannot ruin yourself. And I, it's thought, not- I thought we were kind of like getting past this whole thing, but I guess we're not. No. You know? I don't think so. Which is sad. It's really sad. And I think like, this is the thing people don't realize. He doesn't realize because he's in this tortured space, how much harm he's doing to her because he'll leave the relationship and he'll seek out somebody who has less partners. And then he'll be tortured in a different way about that because she's not as good and blah, 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 whatever the fuck. But she's now got this like shame gift from this dude and has to grapple with it and figure out, okay, what does this mean about me? What, what, how do I walk into a new relationship? He shot her with a shame dart and she just right. needs to remove the dart and put a bandaid on it. Yeah. And either tell him to get over it yeah. in, a, in a healthy way or yep. keep walking. Yep. 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 I love that. That's perfect. And I, I know that that's easy for us to say, but you know, I, I understand how it feels to, to have like the number bubble over your head. I get that. I remember Mm -hmm. that vividly, Mm -hmm. but it, let me tell you from the other side, it doesn't mean anything. Nope. Nothing. Not a damn thing. All that matters is how that person treats you. And Mm -hmm. if he's not capable of being kind to you, Mm -hmm. whether he's drunk or not, then he's not worth hanging around for. Well, and that's an excellent point too, because this is not, this is not isolated. This may be the first time in this six month relationship that you've seen him be unkind, but he is unkind. Right. And when he is struggling, he is unkind. And that is a huge piece of data that you need to take into account. Right. Because what, you know, when it's something bigger, then what? Right. It's, it's, yeah, it's, um, it's the same old story, you know? Yeah. It's also so fucking contradictory because when someone, this was always the thing that I always felt when I was in her situation that like, okay, so you're saying you're interested in me now. You like me now, which means you have to embrace my past because I am who I am now because of that past, Mm -hmm. not in spite of it, because Mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. And so you either like me or you don't. And if you like me, you just have to bite this fucking bullet and get over it. Right. It's like saying you like, don't like that. I'm Irish. Like I'm Irish. That's like, right. That's part of, it's part of who I am. And right. why are you here? Which is, this is another thing. Cause it's like you, you, his shame is like a tyranny over you and the relationship. Yeah. It's in, it's in far too high a position of power and it should not be. It's cruel. And it's, it's a huge red flag. It is honestly. Yeah. And I think, so let's talk about if you're in his position, what do you do? 
you take a long, hard look at yourself and why this is important and why this is making you feel the way it is. Mm-hmm. Get to and, the and listen, and we've all been like in situations where maybe we don't behave in the best way because totally. we're insecure or unsure or fearful or mm-hmm. it doesn't make it okay, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you have to apologize for the things that you've done, you know, but you can't take your fear and weaponize it. Yeah. That's when like you, you gotta, you gotta, yeah. you have to draw the line, you know? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I've said this before, but the, one of my favorite lines ever in anything is a line in a, a the play No Exit by Sartre. And he says, he has one of the characters say at one point, you have no right to inflict your fear on me. Right. And it's, I think about that all the time because you, you have every right to feel however you're going to feel. You do right. not have a right to inflict those feelings on someone else. Right. And so when it gets to that point, when it bubbles over to that level of overwhelm where you are inflicting it on someone else, you have to stop and think about what, where is this coming from? What is the root? What is the fear beneath this fear? Because there's mm-hmm. something deeper here. This isn't going to end for him if he gets out of this relationship. Yeah. Um, and then figure out ways to not do this to yourself, figure out ways to be in an empowered situation so that you're not having these ruminating thoughts. We are not powerless to our minds and you don't have to believe everything that you think. Exactly. There's exactly. a way out here. You're not actually stuck, even though you feel stuck. And that's a lot of work. And, and, and yeah. anyone has to be willing to do that and, right. and willing to change and, and, you know, willing to look at their behavior and, and right. dig deep. Yeah. I think we get into these situations when, when we're in a place where we are being shamed, where we sort of instinctually like bow our heads to it and feel bad. Mm -hmm. But I think this is a situation where you rise up and you say, no, that's what you do with this shame. So you don't internalize it. You resist it. Right. There's nothing wrong with your past. There's nothing wrong with you. You didn't feel any shame about it before. So this is all about him. Exactly. And in the future, don't have that conversation. Not that it's her fault, but no, no, no. I don't think there's any benefit to it. But no. I haven't ever heard of it. Like if someone, if someone's listening and they want to give me a compelling reason, I'll reconsider. But I've never heard one. I just think it's a data point you don't need. No, right. I mean, I think if you have religious values, right, you're going to have that conversation because of those values, and that's maybe fine. But in any other case, it's just you're going to use it to torture yourself and the other person. Why? Right. right. I want to know more about like, what, what, how did your last relationship end? And do you see your role in that? Yeah. I don't give a fuck how many people you've slept with. It doesn't matter. No. Was that helpful or no? (laughs) (laughs) Write us back. Let us (laughs) I just, you deserve so much more than to have someone question you on, on this. There's enough shit in the world to feel badly about really like feeling badly about this is like, Oh, totally. Don't do it. No. Don't let anyone tell you that any of that stuff is wrong or bad or no shameful. It's not at all. No. And listen, if the, if just countering it isn't helpful because you're just like, well, yeah, but I don't believe that. And you end up like kind of stewing in the shame anyway, give yourself an opportunity to reflect, do a timeline of the people that you've slept with. What were your reasons for sleeping with that person? Um, 
what did you learn about yourself? And is there any shame there? And I bet the answer is no. Right. Which will give you the vivid indication that this is about some, someone else. This is about him. And if you do find shame there, then you can work through that. Yeah. What? (laughs) No, you're right. You're right. And if there was shame in any situation, it's usually not the sex itself. It's what led to the situation. Isn't totally. it right? Totally. I think we, we say it's about the sex, but it's like, ah, uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't have. Right. Whatever, whatever. It's all individual, but. But I think also like we, when we, when we keep being afraid of shame and bury it, then the, then it gets bigger. It amplifies it. And so if you can just turn to it and be like, okay, what's here? Is there shame in my sexual past? Let's see. What does it look like? Is it shame that I started having sex too young? Is it shame that I had sex with too many people? Is it shame about the situations that I was in? Okay, now what? What am I going to do with that? Right. Then then ask yourself those questions. Why did you start having sex at that time? Why did you have sex with that person? Like, I think that's manageable because it's in your own, it's on your side of the road. Exactly. But I bet there's none there. If she didn't feel shame about it before, I bet there's none there. No. She just needs to give the shame cake back to the person who gave it to her. Exactly. Take the shame dart out of your chest and throw it at the dude. Exactly. This is yours friend, not mine. Right. We we also, we live in a, this is back to the system thing, but we live in a puritanical based society in the United States. So like those norms about chastity are like in our blood. Yeah. But that doesn't mean they're legitimate. Other cultures don't view sex that way. Lots of people think that sex is just a way of getting to know someone. It's not a big deal. Right. So that's another place you can go with it is look at other cultural views about sex. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I hope that was helpful. Me too. I feel like I also want to say something about getting drunk and like torturing yourself because that feels like a thing too. But what do you mean? Like, I think if you get drunk and torture yourself, like what, what are you doing? For him? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's another American thing. Like, (laughs) (laughs) right. There are a lot of songs about that. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe just don't. Yeah. If, if you find yourself behaving in a way that you're not proud of, then. Right. Slow down a little. Or that is painful for you. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. Okay. Do you have a tiny little joy? I do. I have, um, the, on one of, on your Instagram account, someone you posted and I can't find it right now, but cause I tried to before we got on, but <laughs> you, you had a post and someone commented on it and said something like, I'm so glad you guys are back. Um, and I know this is a really hard time of year for you and your sister. Oh, and I was so touched by that and don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I, I'll search and I'll find it because I'm okay. you probably know who the person is. But I was so moved by that. I couldn't even like text you in the moment because I was like, um, oh. you know, teary. But it's 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 just that idea that like you can have everyone in your life saying something to you. And when someone who doesn't know you at all yeah. shares that same sentiment, somehow, for some reason, it's more valid, which yeah. is... You know, but it was, I, I was really moved and touched by that person. So thank you for leaving that message. Um, it, it meant a lot to me and it's, um, 
you know, it, it, it brought me joy. It, re- it really did. It w- I really felt like validated and heard in a way that, um, yeah, was meaningful. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I think the validation, I think it feels more real because the people in your life are supposed to see you and they do. Right. And that's great. But when it's somebody who's not like closely in your life that sees you, that's kind of, uh, it's like extra bonus, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it was special. Legitimizing. I can't think of one. That's Have bad. you talked about that thing behind you about the fireplace? Oh, I no. You have. I love it. That brings so, me joy. I have, it's funny. Um, in, I think it was September, I was having like a kind of a dark weekend and I was driving around town and there was this artist who had set up this little display, this little exhibit outside of the, like something downtown of these ginormous, it's like four feet by four feet hearts. And I paintings, paintings. Yeah. And they're abstract. There's like a little bit of like a Jackson Pollock uh, vibe. I'm looking for the artist name right now. And I drove by like five times. He must have thought I was like a lunatic because I just kept driving by. There's like one little street in the town. (laughs) So I just kept driving by with my super obvious white car. And um, I got out of the car and I was like, I, what's the story? I have to have one of these. And we had a great conversation and I um, bought it and took it home. The artist is, uh, he's, he's original Ross art on Instagram just all one word, all lowercase, original Ross, R-O-S-S art. And he does giant paintings and there's tons of texture. And it's like, so the background is blue and it sort of looks like the universe and the heart is like gold and all these other colors. But it is, it was so big that it almost didn't fit in the car. And I was like, I'm going to have to like, I don't know what I'm going to do, walk home and then come back and get my car. Like, <laughs> But it was just, I love owning um, real art, you know, like how, yeah. how cool is that? Yeah. It's a beautiful uh, piece. It's beautiful. And it sits right above my fireplace and it's huge and it's perfect. And I love it every day. It's so, it's, it's great. There That's you go. A, thank you. That is my giant heart joy. Ta-da. Ta-da. Good job. Do you feel like clicking back into tiny little joys is helpful? Very much so. Yeah. Did you get out of the habit? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I I am a person, like I need to like be accountable. I need an assignment. I need to like, (laughs) you know, I can know all the things and, and understand what I'm supposed to be doing. But if I don't have to report it, like it's it's pretty easy for me to fall off the wagon, you know, which is ridiculous. But um, yes, I I really love doing it regularly because it just, it opens you up and then you start looking for them and then you, then you kind of file them away, you know? Yeah. 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 And and you, it changes your view. It changes the way you see things because you yeah. start to, yeah. It's really, really helpful if you're in a really bleak place too, because those, even though those, they might be tiny, the fact that they're there can sort of reset your orientation in the world. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you for listening. Um, rate, review, subscribe. It's super helpful to get the podcast out there and get more listeners. And um, if you have a shame story that you want us to talk about, um, send us an email at the trauma tapes at gmail.com or send us a DM on Instagram or send me an email at MC at alchemy coaching.life. Thank you. See you next week. Bye-bye.